What's up, everybody? Brew Crew Podcast, back at you with episode 11. We're into firmly into the double digits. It's me, Jules, got Chev on the line, and Eric is back joining us for another exciting, exciting episode. Uh, today we're talking about more Zendikar Rising, a lot more Zendikar Rising. Last week, uh, Chev and I discussed a lot of the, uh, the mechanics and stuff like that, but now we're talking straight cards, baby. So uh, there's a lot to discuss. We have pretty much the entire set, so uh, we've all just picked out a few of our favorites, and we're just going to go around and talk about them. Um, Eric, you missed last week, so why don't you tell us what you're, what you're looking at over there, what, what's exciting for you? For sure. Um, so... As the the resident Niamh, I just want to start off with a big, mean green creature, which is Cragplate, Cragplate Baloth. Um, it is seven mana, five and two green, for a beast. Uh, it's got a kicker of two and a green. It can't be countered. It has hexproof. It has haste, and if it was kicked, it comes into the battlefield with four plus one plus one counters on it. Um, this has reminded me of previous powerful green finishers in terms of cards that can't be countered cards that come in with a lot of stats and cards that can immediately do things when they enter the battlefield and so if you have seven mana you could just and in a set with a lot of landfall triggers you might be wanting to push more ramp and so you might get to seven mana faster than usual uh and then you can just drop a six six with haste and if you have the extra mana to spend you can drop a ten ten with haste and your opponent cannot counter it I think this is a powerful card, and I think it it does a lot when it hits the field. As a as our resident control player, big big fan of like blue white, especially in, especially in standard. I'm not excited about this. I think that <laughs> uh, we need to relax when it comes to these cards that uh, one have hexproof and also can't be countered. Uh, if you give one or the other, that's okay. I can I can deal with that. But um, both, and then also haste. Uh, you know, Eric, you know I'm not I'm not big on blocking. <laughs> So uh, that's a lot of damage that's coming at me, and uh, it's hard to kill Hexproof things at instant speed. Yeah, I think this thing. I think this thing brings a lot to the table, and like I said, it's reminded me of other previous green finishers. Uh, other cards that I think are really interesting. Uh, we're staying on the line of large things, but this time I get to talk about just the best thing, which is dragons. Um, <laughs> is Leyline Tyrant? Uh, this is two and two red for a dragon. Uh, it's mythic rare, it's flying uh, you don't lose unspent red mana as steps and phases end uh, when leyline tyrant dies you may pay any amount of red mana uh, when you do it deals that much damage to any target so if you've been playing an aggressive red deck this comes down pretty well in your curve at 4 uh, it's a flyer it swings well uh, and it lets you store mana between turns if you're building up for any other large plays or late game plays but if you aren't, because you're an aggressive deck, uh, as opposed to like a more mid-rangey style deck, uh, then you can just cash in your mana every time before you're about to untap, and eventually your opponent will have to kill this 4-4 flyer, and then you get to burn them for a ton. Now, Eric, just to, to clarify, you can't use this to keep uh, mana over turns. I believe it's just over a singular turn. Is it? Because steps and this... phases is different than like, well, if we knew the if we knew the actual wording for crucifix. Well, let's look up the actual wording for crucifix. Or um, or an omnath, the original omnath. Right, mana would empty uh, from your mana pool. That mana becomes colorless instead. 
But original Omnath is going to have the closest wording. Doesn't uh, empty from your mana oh, pool. Oh, it says steps green mana doesn't end. empty from your mana pool as steps and phases end. Oh, I'm going to read the gatherer's text. Um, yeah, I I think this does this includes overturns because if it doesn't, it's terrible. And I'm or no even a later excited. turn. Yeah, no, yeah. you you might be right. I I had assumed that you know like when turns end, that's a second ability as opposed to like a step and phase. But I guess yeah, like a cleanup phase or whatever, and then it carries over. That is much more ridiculous and befitting of the fourteen dollar pre uh, pre order price. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> If this did not do that, this card would be trash. <laughs> because so, I like that it wouldn't do anything then. <laughs> yeah, I like that it uh for if you're playing a dragon deck, um, mm-hmm. I like that it comes down a little bit earlier in the curve. Uh, you know, it kind of rounds that out because traditionally you're playing like six mana dragons and stuff or or more. So it's nice that it kind of gives you a midpoint. Um, I, I'm just worried that this thing is gonna die like immediately you're you're gonna play it and your opponent's either gonna have instant speed removal or untap and kill it and you're not gonna get it get to uh reap those benefits yeah i think very rarely you're gonna get to live the dream of this thing sits on field and you just get to keep banking red mana Mm -hmm. but even if this is a four four that when it dies can deal four or can deal a few extra damage i think that's gonna prove really punishing to your opponent if they have key creatures on board that they're trying not to block with and that they're trying to preserve, it's automatic burn built in that if they remove that creature, you can just pay mana in response and kill it mm-hmm. and kill something important of theirs. Yeah. Uh, I think this so is... So I think that oh, overall, sorry. this is cool. No, I, no, no. I think it'll be nice in... I mean, I'm thinking from a standard perspective. I know you're probably thinking from EDH. I think this will be nice like for ramp decks like in the late game when you have like nine lands and you like play mm-hmm. this... And you're just, you're like, you want to attack for four, but like you're ready to just pull the trigger at any time as soon as they target it, you know? I think that's mm-hmm. better. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you'd want to like do that in EDH though, if you'd want to like wait and then be ready to pull the trigger, but. Yeah. It, mono red in EDH is a very volatile deck building archetype where some of it is mm-hmm. all about certain archetypes and the other generals are totally about different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a quick shout out to Oak from beyond uh, when this card was spoiled, he immediately called out braids of fire as just a ridiculous card with this creature. Cause it is. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. And the other thing to keep in mind is Neheb the eternal as a commander um, with at the beginning of your post-combat main phase, add a red mana to your mana pool for each one life. Your opponents have lost this turn. Uh, yeah. That can also combo with it quite nicely. That would be right uh, really good, some mm-hmm. might say. Um, another card that I think is pretty cool, a uh, little bit of a little bit of a reminder of something you might see in modern is Scourge of the Skyclaves, one in a black for a another mythic rare. Uh, it's a demon. Uh, it has a kicker of four in black. When you cast this spell, if it was kicked, each player loses half their life. Round it up, but that doesn't matter. Because Scourge of the Skyclave's power, power and toughness are equal to 20 minus the highest life total among players. Similar to Death Shadow, little different, because it also factors in your opponent's life and it sort of has the different, a different base toughness and power. But in older formats where people are playing a lot of shocks, people are playing a lot of fetches that are going to hurt you or pain lands or uh, 
artifacts that are going to deal damage to you. This thing can get big quick, and it's very cheap and very easy to play. I think that this thing, I think this thing is a threat. So, on that, on that, uh, that note, and we'll discuss these later. But we were looking at the uh, the large mythic cycle that on the backside mm-hmm. has lands that enter untapped if you take three damage. So I was thinking for Death Shadow, and now that you're saying this, I was like, oh, so what if, like, turn one, I just, like, play the black one, take three, Thought sees you, take another two. You know what I mean? Like It is the yeah. highest, it, it's minus the highest life total among players. Well, yeah. Yeah, so. But I'm just saying. You're, yeah. You gotta rely on your opponent to also want to pay some life at some point in there, mm-hmm. but they're gonna want to pay some life so that they can get out fast mana, so that they can get their good dual lands, like, yeah, there, mm-hmm. there's. I feel like there's no deck in modern that is willing to play slow enough and is willing to not lose that, the sort of life to get all the benefits, except for some of the monocolored uh, modern decks. Yeah, and then you just play lightning bolts and you just bolt them, and then you're like, all right, get now, now scourge. <laughs> Here's my two mana uh, seven seven. And as soon as this thing hits them, like, it's bigger. So, oh yeah, that's I think true. I think that's a pro is that if you take down your own life total, this thing starts really growing as it hits your opponent. No. Um, whereas, with, I mean, with Death Shadow, it has a smaller cap, sort of, in terms of its right, maximum right, power. Right. Um, so more mythics, huh? Yeah, <laughs> it's this. I like mythics, um, and I, I think everyone does. There are some really well designed mythics in this set, in my they opinion. They tend to be good. Um, now let me let me just throw out there what's coming next. It's another mythic rare. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's Ancient Green Warden, uh, but th- this one I really like because it sort of fits a theme of the set on the whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, four and two green. Uh, it's an elemental uh, with reach. Uh, you may play lands from your graveyard. Already looking good. Nice. Uh, if a land enters the battlefield, uh, if a land entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. It is a 5-7. This thing, A, is thick. It's it's just a good good stats for the cost. um, And it's got reach on top of that. But, like, the the real big selling point here is lands entering the battlefield cause abilities to trigger twice. So you get all of your landfall triggers twice. And if you have any lands with abilities when they come in, uh, this, I think, applies less to standard and more to other formats those trigger an additional time as well. Right. Uh, so I guess like Valakut could trigger additional times with this, or, um, mm-hmm. you know, you could have to pay twice for your shock lands, <laughs> but <laughs> that would stink. that's not I good. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, double scribe. Your bounce lands, double bounce. Mm-hmm. That's great. <laughs> um, no, but most, mostly I, I really like how this interacts with landfall triggers. And I, I think that this is, a great way of sort of scaling up landfall effects without saying, oh, well, the big mythic rare has a big mythic rare landfall effect. Instead, it it says, oh, the big mythic rare helps all your commons, uncommons, rares, helps those landfall effects matter more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chev actually uh, <laughs> texted me earlier today, and it was just a picture of this card, and it just said, so Tatiova, huh? And I was like... <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> Instant include. I mean, yeah, this card's going to be really, really good in Tatiova. You're going to draw twice. You're going to gain two life. And everyone um, will hate you more. 
I yeah, mean, I no mean, one, no one gets that mad at the tat deck usually because the tat deck is just out there doing its thing, and then either like Joda or Maelstrom Wanderer or the Eldrazi are over just trying to end the world, and Tat's like, "Look, I have a handful of cards," and you're like, "Julian." play a counter spell and he's like i only have one in the deck and that that's what tilts me about the tat deck <laughs> i have i have two counter spells in that deck one's actual counter spell one's deprive which returns a land to the hand so that's like you know extra triggers because mm-hmm. everyone was mad at me because my esper control deck had like five counter spells which if you think about it is not even that many but and also uh. oak always you're like no one hates on Tatiova except for Oak. Literally kills it every chance he gets. He'll be like, "It is fun like, to kill Tatiova." It's a five mana three three. How do you? How is that not bait for murder? <laughs> because it's a five mana three three. It's just like I don't know. Focus uh, your energy somewhere else. The fact that Chev has like, you know, doubled his Urza Incubator or something. But that's that's a topic for another day. Yeah. Me? Um, no, I would never do shenanigans with artifacts. But anyway, that's Ancient Green Warden. Uh, it doubles your landfall triggers, and it doubles some of your abilities of lands that you may not want doubled, or you may want doubled. You're you're the only one who knows. I'm really excited, and I really hope someone has this card out and doesn't know about an interaction like that. And when I say that, I don't mean, like, new players, because that would be scary, but I'm talking about one of you punks, like, dropping a shock or something <laughs> when you have this out, and it's just boning you for four. That would be really funny. I also hope that at some point... In like, this isn't gonna happen. But I want it. A, this card is not gonna see like top level play. I don't think. I don't think it's good enough. No. Um, it's too expensive, and it Mm. doesn't do anything when it hits the field. Um, (laughs) but I hope that it like makes it into some like niche tournament play, and then someone like messes up and like kills themselves with a shock land. I want that to. I want that to be recorded for the greater purposes of the world. But, um, so we'll find it. But it'll happen. Moving on, uh, Seagate Stormcaller. Is this another mythic? Talk oh my god! Hold on. It might be another up. mythic, Julian. We're sensing uh, a trend. That's it's a mythic. Just, what the heck? It is a mythic. <laughs> I'm it's sorry. Blue. It's blue though. All right. So. This is this is spoilers up ahead. Julian put two mythic cycles on his list of things he wanted to talk about. Uh, incorrect, sir. One mythic cycle. Put one mythic cycle? Yeah. Mm. My bad. Um, anyway, one in a blue, human wizard. This thing belongs in your party. It's a mythic rare. Sorry. Uh, it is a kicker of four in a blue. Uh, when Seagate Stormcaller enters the battlefield, copy the next instant or sorcery you play with converted mana cost, two or less. Uh, uh, this turn, when you cast it. Uh, if Seagate Stormcaller was kicked, copy that spell twice instead. You may choose new targets for the copies. Um, I think that this works fine with targeted spells in terms of... In EDH, this is a good way to double your Pongifies, double your hi- rapid hybridizations, or if you're looking to do something a l- little sleazier, you could double your um, dramatic reversals, tap out, and then recast the dramatic and really start getting a lot of mana in your pool. Um, but... I think, it, I think it works better with sort of untargeted effects like Dramatic Reversal where uh, they are either draw effects or more global effects or mm-hmm. sort of more long-lasting things where you copy it and then it doesn't really necessarily matter whether or not it has a target. Uh, I think there are a lot of really good two-mana spells that 
this can copy in pretty much every format. I don't understand why this is a mythic. It doesn't feel very mythic. A rare, yes, but I'm just thinking like if you kick it, if you kick it, it's what seven mana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's seven mana kicked. Like five you should, and two you should blue. get to copy it. Like three, t- I don't know, three times or something, or like cast it for free, or and also, yeah, I it's only two or less. Like at least make it like four or less or something. You know what I mean? Like, I think I would like it better on? if the kicker upped the cost that was permissible. If it said like you can copy it again and it can be up to three mana or something. Yeah, they could I do feel like, like this. I feel like this will cause problems regardless um, because there is enough stuff at two mana. So while it would be cool if it's more powerful, I will take the side and say I'm glad it's not. Yeah, I, I think it's it's in a weird spot of it doesn't feel necessarily like mythic in power level the way mm-hmm. it currently looks. But I don't want it to be that much better. Yeah, it's just the rarity I, I don't... for me. It's just the rarity mm-hmm. for me. This doesn't feel like a mythic. It'd be interesting if they I did just... like... Uh, like a kicker with an X in it. So like X is like, oh, if you kick it like blue, blue, blue X. And then now if X is four, you can cast something with four or something, you know, but like, yeah. Yeah. I think that would be interesting. Um, Mostly I just, I really, I sort of like the design of this card of like Mm -hmm. sort of a small two mana thing that you can fling out there and immediately copy something. And I think that is the way it's going to be used almost always is the two mana version. And then, sort of similar to uh, the Leyline Tyrant, uh, if you draw this in your, like, at the end of the game and uh, you have, like, a, a draw spell in hand that's cheaper or lower to the ground, then you're going to kick this and draw three times instead or um, triple sort of some other effect. Mm-hmm. But I think that most of the time this is going to be used as a doubler. And I think it's going to be one of those cards where you're like, man, why is this so expensive monetarily? And the answer is going to be because it's just really good for two mana. So I I have a a quick question just to confirm what I think and if there's any viewers who are also confused. So when it comes to a spell with converted mana cost two or less, if I have a spell that costs two mana, um, has a kicker cost of like three, and I were to play that spell, pay the kicker cost, would it get doubled by um, this card? Because my thought is yes. I had the same thought about Cyclonic Rift, actually. Where mm-hmm. if you overloaded Cyclonic Rift, would you get a copy? But then I realized that doesn't matter for Cyclonic Rift because it already hits everything. Right. And and I but... did pull up Cyclonic Rift because that was exactly the same vein. And I am seeing a rule listing. Casting a spell with Overload. And Overload is, I believe, a just a different form of kicker. Um with overload doesn't change that spell's mana cost you just pay the overload cost instead it's like an alternative yeah, cost mm-hmm. i think it would work with kicker um yeah because or, in or the set X-Bell where you know too. kicker's a big thing i feel like that's that's a important distinction would you copy a kicked version because that would be that would be getting spicy i think so because yeah you... the, i think this might be even better than i thought it was initially um, I'm quickly trying to see if I can find a different spell with kicker. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so find I, some logic on it. This isn't one that I wanted to talk about, but I was just looking down and like 
conveniently a few down from the the uh, Seagate Stormcaller on the thing is Maddening Cacophony, which is a one and a blue sorcery. Each opponent mills eight cards. If the spell was kicked, each, instead, each opponent mills half their library. So um, just, I don't know, double that maybe. and I win. vote yes. Win the game. And and, and what's that What's that? Uh, mill legendary from Jumpstart? Doesn't he double all millings? Uh, yes, I forget what his name is. But yeah, the, the advisor. Yeah. Yeah. That would be... Uh... That's looking pretty Pop hot. That. Pop a, a two-mana mill. We might have some mill in Historic there, Julian. Uh, you'll have to tell us how that is. Uh, <laughs> I All I'm saying is I want to be part of that. If that's going on, I'm there. <laughs> the, the, the mill in Historic? All right, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. You can we'll be there for the toss game. Toss some crabs there. in there. Toss a little green. Get some Simic, simic mill going. Mm. It's going to be fresh. Hey, I was, I, was, I was telling Chev, we got double the crabs in, uh, in Modern now. We got the crab exactly. in this one and the other crab, so... But, I'm thinking maybe a gumbo theme deck, just all mill, all crabs, all sea life. That, I that might also, also be hungry. Gumbo. I thought you said Gumby for a sec. Gumby. <laughs> we could the also have a Gumby. Yeah, deck. we could have a Gumby. Like, sorry, deck. Where, where is the where is the rubber man again? Next next Wizards uh, crossover event. Forget Godzilla. Now we got Gumby. <laughs> yeah. Dude, all On the changelings. All the changelings. All the changelings. Like, <laughs> Chameleon Colossus, but he's Gumby. All changelings, all Gumby, all the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was sort of all I had to, to call out in terms of specific specific cards. Um, either you boys have a preference of who goes next? I think Julie should go. All right, I'll go. All right, let's 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 uh, let's get the this thing out of the way. Um, I sort of cheated and also sort of uh, took one for the team and did the uh, the the cycle of mythics that are like lands on the back half and then mm-hmm. these like obnoxiously costed spells on the front. So uh, an example would be Amirius Call, which is four generic and triple white for a sorcery. Create two four four white angel warrior creature tokens with flying non angel creatures you control gain indestructible until the end of your turn. And then the backside of it because it's a, a DFC if you remember what those are. Uh, dual face card. It's a Amiria Shattered Skyclave. As Amiria Shattered Skyclave enters the battlefield, you may pay three life. If you don't, it enters the battlefield tapped and it adds a white. So, uh, similar to how the shocks are named, uh, these are being called the Bolt Lands because you have to pay three life instead of two. Um, and then there's, uh, you know, ones in blue, black, red, and green as well that all have these, like, they're all, like, triple of the color plus usually a lot of mana or maybe an X and uh, they do silly things. Um, what, do you guys, what do you boys feel about these? I have a rules question just to start the conversation. Yeah. Um, when you uh, let's say I play a card that lets me tutor any land to my hand. Can I choose these? No. No? They have all okay. the characteristics when they're not on the battlefield. They have all the characteristics of the front side. Which, I remember reading somewhere, and you can tell because it has one triangle on it. And that was the specific language used. If it has two triangles, that is the back. And you can check. <laughs> but yeah, that so... Is very strange. So like most um, DFCs, or dual face cards if you will, uh, they, they have all the characteristics of the front card when they're not on the battlefield. Uh, and so they can only be tutored as a sorcery. If they're in the graveyard, they're still a sorcery. And this is true for all of the DFCs in the set. Got it. That makes sense. Uh, 
I figured that it would be a little strong if they had also the characteristics of land, so I just wanted to wanted to double check on that. Um, mm. But overall, I really like the design of a lot of these. I think that they're all sort of they all sort of find a good spot in their color pie, mm-hmm. um, and they all sort of do exactly what you would expect. Uh, I think the green one is like a little nuts, but it's a Genesis uh, Wave altar, right? Nah. It's just one that you know, if you accidentally get a Elvish Mystic, it's going to be a four-four Elvish Mystic. Yeah, is, but I guess it doesn't have. It doesn't feel as constrained as Genesis Wave. Because let me just confirm. That's true. Genesis Wave is like two to for a, a yeah mana cost X or less. Gen- Genesis yeah, Wave is much better than this card. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it depends. How so? Oh, because this... yeah, Genesis Wave is any number of permanent cards with converted mana cost X or less, not just one. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. I guess but, I, I was just re- I was mm-hmm. recently building a Primal Surge deck, and so my mind was on Genesis Wave is worse than Primal Surge, and so. Well, in, yes, was, in that deck, yes. Uh, but uh, I do think that I, I still think that card is gonna gonna be pretty powerful. Um, mm-hmm. That is an effect I would be willing to pay seven mana for if I knew I had some big beaters such as uh, oh I don't know Crag Plate Baloth in my deck. <laughs> Do you see? Uh, do you guys yeah. see these making a dent in more eternal formats? Like, are there any decks you guys have that you would slot, swap out a, a land for one of these or something of that nature? Jeff, I'll always swap out a land. And you know this it. is true. Yeah, like uh, perhaps two. So this is more of a Julian question. Eric um, will take all of so, these and put them in his five color deck immediately. So I have a, I have a few thoughts. One, I think that these are not that great, um, especially mm-hmm. at the cost that they are. And the fact that it's like triple, uh, triple of a color, triple mana pips. Um, I think that's nullified by the fact that these can just be lands. But I don't know unless unless you're like a really long running control deck and you want to put in like one of these for like potentially your top end um, mm-hmm. because you don't you always want to hit your land drop. So if you don't get to if you just have to put this as a land, it's fine. But I think most decks aren't going to play these. The the white one seems like pretty medium at best. Like it's two two creatures, and they're tokens, so like they can just be bounced. And then giving your stuff indestructible until next turn is really not that big a deal. Um, the blue one just draws cards, which like if you're already paying, if you're paying seven for card draw, yeah, it's just not like how how often are you gonna actually draw that many and like. If you're gonna go and draw a bunch, especially in something like EDH, you might as well be drawing like twenty cards or infinite cards. So I think this is just mm. like not not great. Um, I think the green one is. I don't think it's bad because obviously getting to put anything um, onto the battlefield like that is good. But you can always whiff. Plus, there's just things like yeah, like Genesis Wave or Primal Surge that gets you everything as opposed to one thing. Um, I act, I think the red and the black ones are the best. Um, because getting to like they're the variable ones you know so like you can mm-hmm. deal a bunch of damage um and then for with the red one um and potentially double it if you have six or more um that's like a great card that you could play with leyline tyrant you just like save up your red your red mana and then yep. 
just pop a big one of these and uh, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, absolutely destroy stuff. Um, and then, of course, reanimating stuff is great with the black one. Um, so, t- so to be clear, the, the black one's text is three black and X return from your graveyard to the battlefield any number of target creature cards that each have a different converted mana cost X or less. Right, which if you're playing something like an Aristocrats deck or something that has a lot of sacrifice synergies or some sort of combo like that, you really only need to be like three or four, um, and you can get a bunch of bunch of tasty mm-hmm. things. Um, and then you know, assuming you're doing like cabal cabal coffer shenanigans, uh, you know, you can get pretty much your entire graveyard back. Yeah. Um, That's crazy if someone's running cabal coffer. What do you think, Julian? Uh, I think that yeah, I think it would be pretty powerful. Um, hopefully, no one in our playgroup does that. In terms of things like standard, mo- modern, no chance. Um, legacy, legacy and vintage, probably no chance. I don't know enough about them to say no, but I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I think big no on those formats. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even the ones, even the decks, there are some decks in those that generate a lot of mana, but when they're generating that mana, they're just like generating infinite and winning. They don't need to worry about you know, doing these shenanigans in standard. Right. I think that, um, I think the red one will probably be good as like a one of in like a teamer sort of deck that just like burns to the face. Um, if control is a deck that exists, I can see the blue one or the white one being like a one of, or a two of, because like I said, mm-hmm. you can play them in the late game and they're powerful, or you can play them just as like a tap land, in the early game and that's fine but they're not going to be doing anything crazy um the black one is hard to evaluate i i don't know if there's going to be enough i don't think there's anything cheap enough but like high impact enough that you would want to pay like four or five mana on this aka x being mm-hmm. one or two to really do it and i don't think anything's generating enough mana to get crazy with it and then I think turn timber symbio- symbiosis, um, you just play Genesis Ultimatum. It's just better. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's my that's the that's my thing on that. I do like the design space they're hitting, and I like that they're not stupid powerful. Because if they were, we would just be like, all right, well, this is a slam dunk. Like everything's going to play this is going to be busted. Right. But the fact that they're, yeah. you know, the fact that you really they're have medium. to think about if you want them. But they are cool. Like, this is a casual's dream, right? Like, if you're just getting into EDH and you see something like that, you're like, boom, slam every single one in my five-color deck. Mm-hmm. So, I like that. I I do think I might put Turn Timber Symbiosis into a Jota deck. Like, pay seven mana, rip a Void Winnower, loving it. Why you gotta say Void Winnower? Because uh, it's in the deck and is good. Um... For those of you who don't know, Void Winnower is Julian's favorite card. He actually has a large signed poster of Void Winnower uh, a little bit to his right right now. Yeah, it's just off um, camera so you guys can't see it. Uh, how would you guys have felt if the red spell were allowed to go face? That and the, so, the Eric, the Eric can you, can you read out the red spell to us uh, word for word? Just oh, for those of course. Who My apologies. I didn't, I didn't realize that one hadn't been read out loud already. Uh, X and two red uh, is the front. Uh, it is Shatter Skull Smashing. Uh, Great name, by the way. It's a sorcery. 
Shatter Skull Smashing deals X damage divided as you choose among up to two target creatures and or planeswalkers. If X is six or more, Shatter Skull Smashing deals twice X damage divided as you choose among them instead. So, I think that two is kind of a low limit, but making it unlimited might be a little whack against sort of smaller, wider decks where mm -hmm. they have a lot of 1-1s one -ones and just, if you paid X is five, you could just clear their board. Um, and so, sort of one of my thoughts when I saw this, uh, just like in the middle of reading the card, was like, oh, is this going to go face like when X is six or more? Like, is this... Mm -hmm. Is that going to be an option that turns on? And so I wonder if that at one point that was a design space they explored. Because I think that would be interesting. Yeah. Uh, if it could go face, but the damage to the face wasn't doubled. Because Right. As, in, instead of doubling damage, it would be damage to face instead. I mean, if it was if it was that, then I think it would be like just one mana. I mean, you're then I think you'd end up basically paying like a one mana extra for, for a fireball. fireball or something which i mean if there's a land on the back in red i i i would be a fan of that card this card i'm also a fan of not to the same extent um but mostly because uh in eternal formats where i normally find myself this just seems not that good yeah i i, I really wish it didn't have the limit on two creatures because mm -hmm. if I'm going to sink a bunch of mana in this to kill a bunch of stuff and get the double damage payoff, I don't want to hit two things. You'd want something once... more like Earthquake? Yeah, I, f I feel like that would be more more what I would want from this. Mm -hmm. Where once I got to the double damage, I could just start spreading it out. Because if you pay X is 6 and double the damage, that means you're trying to kill two six sixes on average, I guess. Mm-hmm. And if you're behind by two six sixes, and you have to put all your mana into this as opposed to something else, yeah, it, it yeah. seems it seems a little bit daunting. Anyway, I, th that was one card that I I sort of thought was the the most like interesting space of all of them. I like the black one the best. I think that's mm -hmm. the most powerful. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know. I think it's probably a standard consideration for going face, just because, um. We've had exp or expansion explosion has been in the the uh, the format for so mm -hmm. long, and that just like with all the ramping that uh, team of reclamation used to do, yeah, that would I mean that would easily deal you know like seventeen damage or something. So I, I think they probably just yeah. didn't want to go there. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think I think it's more of a standard card. I don't know if it'll hold up in in EDH unless you're like I don't know. I mean, you can really kill two things. <laughs> it's not. I mean, it's yeah. nice if your if your meta has a lot of planeswalkers. You can just mm -hmm. zap That's the planeswalkers. Um, yeah, get but done. We don't really. I mean, our meta barely plays planeswalkers at all. Except no, the, 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 the second they get played, they generally get nuked. <laughs> That's. I mean, yeah. That's also true. No. Um. um all right. Well. Well, we've talked about there that. was that one deck, wasn't there? The uh, the. Oaks the America Planeswalkers. That deck was a mistake, and I'm upset that I contributed to that. Just got I hated playing against that. It was terrifying. Every time. That deck, yeah, that deck really sucked. Um, I think, I think to be clear, like we're not, we're not saying that that particular strategy was rough, even though it was. We're, we're more saying that um, it, it really crimped the interaction you could have. So, I mean, if you're getting together with your friends every once in a while, and you're trying to play a intensive game of Magic with all of them. 
that's a deck where you can go and get a drink multiple times per game and not miss anything. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, it basically yeah. was just uh, allowing a play style that wasn't really cohesive for what our playgroup was trying to do. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a great deck to take to the pubs and to go out and win some games. To I like think get that... beat up at the pubs. Is that the? Uh, the... I, I think that is that is that what the... pub stomping is? Well, yeah, pubs like pubs is like local competitive play. Is like that's what. Gotcha. Play so I, I thought you meant the establishments, and I was like, oh no, that, no, no, no. Seems like an aggressive that, place to try. If it. you're of legal age, if you're of legal, if you're of legal age, stopping by the pubs. That's <laughs> bringing why. Bringing your magic deck with you. That's what the term pub stomping is. Is like going to like a local competitive scene and bringing mm-hmm. something that is meant for a global competitive scene gotcha. or in like video gaming. If you're really, That's so really much good. more wholesome than where my mind went, which no. was a bunch of angry drunks taking it out on you. Well, Chev, we, nope. you know, we just got out of college. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, uh, another card I'd like to talk about, another uh, red X spell, actually. Mm-hmm. Nahiri's lithoforming. So uh, we talked about um, the fact that Nahiri is like the uh, one of the face walkers of this set, and she has her her own card, so she's on the 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 art doing things moving something. a lot around mm-hmm. sounds like what i no, i just said doing something i i can't really make out what she's doing she's lithoforming with some lava <laughs> clearly yeah. lithoforming she's man, she's manipulating the rock chev uh so this mm-hmm. is a x red red it's a sorcery sacrifice x lands for each land sacrifice this way draw a card you may play a, an additional x lands this turn uh which enter tapped so um i like this one it's like if you're playing a red green deck, this is an easy way to just like put lands in your graveyard. It's not, it's not like a proper scape shift, but it can be if you draw a bunch of lands or if you're just flooded. Um, you can, uh, you know, sacrifice excess lands that you have and get this, mm-hmm. that nice card draw, especially like in a big burst if you really need to, which is something that like uh, red doesn't have. Um, mm-hmm. And then also, yeah, obviously if you're playing this in a deck um, with other colors, uh, you can capitalize yeah. on things going to the graveyard or the fact that lands are in your graveyard if you're playing green and you want to like do things with like titania um or crucible Ramanop, excavator yeah yeah that sort of stuff uh or that uh ancient green warden that card i called out earlier yeah exactly so i think this is a, a cool card because it really it explores a design space that um hasn't yeah. really been explored um especially in red and it's a nice yeah uh, burst of advantage for red that is um it feels very red it's very impulsive it's like all right well we're gonna drop these lands and hopefully we draw what we need you know so yep yeah Um, and and this is the first time that an ability of um playing additional lands has shown up in mono red so i'm wondering if this is a step in a certain direction or this is kind of like for the flavorfulness of this card and for the set this is an ability that red will be granted I don't think this I is think something more we're going to see a lot. One. Mm-hmm. Um, I do... Uh, I know some things about modern and other older Eternal, Eternal formats, though most of my specialty is in EDH. Uh, do you think that this could find a home in a Volokut deck? Where you sacrifice everything except your Volokut and try and draw a bunch more mountains and just play them out and try and just bolt your opponent for a bunch. Um...
Probably not. I don't know enough about, but... <laughs> probably not, just Maybe because Primeval does. Titan and Scapeshift are already so effective. Um, and this doesn't guarantee you the lands where those cards do. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Unbanned Primetime, by the way. Unbanned Primetime. In, in, in EDH? Hell no. <laughs> Unbanned Primetime. That seems like a terrible idea. I, I think this could be... I think this is a good supplementation to that sort of package if you're doing something like that in you know, kitchen table magic or in EDH, but I think in, in something as tuned as like a modern a modern uh Valica deck, I, I, I don't think that this is um gonna make the cut. It doesn't have the certainty of something like Escape Shift or a prime time. Yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Um I wish though. If that if that if the deck played this card, I I would hundred percent go into modern. I think it I I honestly think it might. I think that if if they wanted another effect that could sort of get them that consistency and could sort of get them because I, I think this effect is going to be not super consistent like obviously you're not going to draw exclusively lands so mm-hmm. your land count in total is going down but if you're close to killing someone and you you can find the mana to sort of tap out and sacrifice lands, and then maybe you get two or three more lands down, that's a healthy amount of damage. Especially in a format where people are self-inflicting a lot of wounds. <laughs> that's true. I mean, it, it would be interesting as, like, I just can't see it being played as a four of. It'd be, like, a one of, because, like, if you draw this over anything else in the early game, it kind of feels bad. But it is, like, that perfect, like, clutch card. You just pull this, and you're like, all right, we're going all in. Sacrifice all my lands except for Valica, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Um, anyway, moving on, um, another sort of cheat, but we're going to talk about the inscriptions, which are, uh, not a full cycle, as I realized just before recording, um, but these are all sorceries, uh, there's a blue one, a black one, and a green one, and they're a combination between, I guess, like, a charm and the, uh, the command cycle, um, yeah. So here, here, here's here's one just to, to give you guys a taste. So this is Inscription of Ruin. Uh, it's a sorcery for two and a black. And then they all have kicker. Uh, this one's kicker is two, black, black. Choose one. If the spell was kicked, choose any number instead. And then you have target opponent discards two cards. Return target creature card with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. And destroy target creature with converted mana cost three or less. Um. I like these cards just because, and I wanted to highlight them just because having these modal cards is always cool, um, and it's just nice to have sort of a catch-all, um, especially if you're playing like a one or two of. And then I do like the fact that if you kick it, if it's the late game, late game, you can just boom, you know, have have your cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts, boys? I'm I'm kind of like. I, I want to see one in action um, before I'm really, you know, like making an opinion. Because at least for the abilities on, say, say we do a fully kicked Inscription of Ruin. And so we're having someone discard two cards, which, okay. Uh, and then we're returning a c- card with converted mana cost two or less and destroying a target creature with converted mana cost three or less. I mean, I guess I guess the, the cost, the initial cost shocks me for all of those things. But at the end of the day, you are doing three very unique things. So I, I guess the, the question that I have or and hopefully, you know, somehow this will get answered throughout the environment is how often these are cast for just one mode or are they usually kicked? 
because I, I'm not sure, you know, with Inscription of Insight, it's the blue one. A blue and three, and then kicker is another four. So for eight mana, am I returning two target creatures? Scry two, draw two, and then um, creating an XX blue illusion creature token where X is the number of cards in hand. And so they all seem like decent enough abilities, but I do wonder at the, the total cost. Or, or if, if maybe like kicker being a little bit less, and instead of doing all three, you choose two as opposed to one or something like that. Yeah, I think one of the ways that um, people often evaluate modal cards like this and, and cards with like very distinct separate parts um, is to sort of like try and split it up and say, well, would I pay one for that? Would I pay two for that? Mm-hmm. And so just sort of looking at Inscription of Ruin, um, I feel like I would pay a black and one for any of those effects by themselves mm-hmm. and then saying, okay, pay me an extra one to do all three. That's right. Just, just to sort of say, well, that's not three cards; it's one card. So that's mm-hmm. that's sort of reducing hand space and uh, things like that. I, I think that looks like a much when you look at it that way, it looks much better. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, you can't pay for it two at a time. You have to pay seven mana up front all at once, right? And have a card in your graveyard that costs two or less, and something on the field that costs three or less. And then the discard will most likely always be effective. But yeah, I, I am interested. I think I, I like the green one the most. Um, it is the cheapest as well. It's a green and one in instant. And kicker, two generic and a green. And the three modes are put two 1-1 one, one counters on target creature. Uh, target player gains X life, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. And then target creature you control fights target creature you don't control. So I'm already you know seeing that for... Any one of those, I would probably pay two mana for, uh, especially at instant speed. Uh, and then, you know, for the three extra mana, being able to beef something up and then having it fight another creature. Um, or, and I guess the life gain is a decently meh ability, considering all the other ones. But the other two modes, I think, make it pretty powerful. Yeah, I think that one is the one that is the most designed to be cast for its full cost. Mm-hmm. Because the the order it reads in is, hey make one of your creatures bigger, then gain life equal to your biggest creature, then have probably your biggest creature, or a creature with death touch, I guess, fight something else. Mm-hmm. And so it's it sort of is meant to go down that line and resolve in that way, whereas the black one, all the effects feel a lot more disparate in terms of like, okay, my opponent's discarding cards, I'm resurrecting something, and I'm killing mm-hmm. something. Those are all very separate, and that one feels more like it was meant, like, sure, you can cast it for the kicker, but any of the individual options are just as good individually. Whereas mm-hmm. the green one, I think is the best package and the blue one has like good packaging elements as well, where like, I guess technically you could return two of your own creatures if they had good ETBs or you wanted to bounce them uh, or something, then you could draw two, then you could make an XX blue illusion that would technically be four, four larger than it would be, would have been at the start of the turn. Cause you have two more creatures and two more cards in hand. Mm. What do you think, Julian? Um, I think, oh, surprise, surprise, I think the blue one's the best. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, Chev, like you said, the, the green one is going to be cast because only, it'll only be five mana total, which is mm-hmm. like a big difference from seven and eight for the other two. Um, but I also think the, the green one has like the lowest amount of effect, so that makes sense. Right. I think that these will see play in standard. Um, just because 
they are so modal, but they're you know there's nothing like super splashy about these. So I don't think these are going to be EDH cards, but I do. Once again, I just like the flexibility that they provide. So I, I think yeah, it would be interesting to, in, you know, especially if you're trying to vary up your deck building, um, you know, instead of including a charm or a command or something, just put one of these in mm-hmm. instead. It just, you know, adds a little bit of flavor to um, what can sometimes be just playing staples. Yeah, right. I think that's very true. Any Anything that opens up your deck to having more options to play cards you want to as opposed to cards you feel you have to, I am definitely all for, especially in more eternal-leaning formats. Yeah. All right, next one I want to talk about real quick. Um, Balagued Recovery, two and a green. Return target card from your graveyard to your hand. Easy and simple. And on the backside, it's just a land that enters tapped and taps for green. Uh, the reason I want to highlight this is because I think this card is going to be freaking great and standard. Um, the fact that basically all of the decks right now, um, or all, most of the, the best decks, are some form of mid-rangey deck. Um this is just perfect for grinding, and there are, most of them are green-based, so if you need it, this is just a land. Um, so I just want to shout that out because that's just you know great for getting back your Genesis Ultimatums or your Threat That Died or anything. Mm. I mean, it gets anything, so just I think that's like a, uh, going to be an underrated card. It's just a just an uncommon. Last two yeah, cards we I haven't seen like a, oh sorry, go ahead, Julian. No, no, go go ahead. Well, I was just going to say I don't think we've seen something that's so clearly a regrowth in standard for a little while like a lot of the time uh the graveyard recovery comes with some sort of stipulation attached to it like only creatures or convert mana cost x or less or multicolored or x mana cost sort of thing so i think like you said this definitely has the power to be super useful yeah definitely last two cards i want to talk about are both colorless cards so chev be happy i guess um yeah, one, one one is a mythic rare and one, one is a common. So let's talk about the mythic rare first. Uh, Lithoform engine, four mana for a legendary artifact, two tap, copy target activator or triggered ability. You may choose new targets for the copy. Three tap, copy target instant or sorcery spell you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. In four tap, copy target permanent spell that you control. Um, so this has to be when it's on the stack, and then it mm-hmm. says in parentheses rules text, the copy becomes a token. Um, so that's cool because it's not just creatures. You can get enchantments, planeswalkers, um, as well. Uh, but you do have to have the mana open to cap, uh, copy it while it's on the stack since it says permanent spell and not just permanent. Um, you can't really get a planeswalker. They would die, right? Yeah, legendary. Because you can't control two of the same planeswalker. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know. You could. You could technically do it, though, Eric. It You're right. Uh, well, you could do it with the Teferi who can activate his abilities at instant speed. Mm. Uh, that's not how that works. There's like, mm. like um, layers in, the... in states check before you yeah. have a, a chance. <laughs> Don't talk to me about layers. We're not talking about layers on this podcast. <laughs> they, trust me, it, it doesn't work. Okay, it doesn't work. Okay, we'll trust you. We'll trust you. Yeah. the the rule The rules on Magic Arena say that it doesn't work. So, <laughs> I've tried to. I've tried to. I tried to. Well, I, I played Muxus and Goblins, and I got mm-hmm. two Krenkos out. And I was like, oh, well, what if I just, like, tap one for the Goblins first, and then I'll just let that one go. But it, it doesn't let you do that, so. Doesn't like it. Yeah. Anyway, this is just one four mana for something like uh, Commander is cheap. And, I mean, even in Standard, like I was saying, so many there's so many, like, mid-rangey, just kind of grindy decks that this is seems mm-hmm. reasonable. Um, and it's just so, you know, useful being able to, like... Right copy target activator triggered ability some i don't know something like a landfall trigger from the new omnath or um 
arrows enter the battlefield trigger. And then, of course, once you're copying instants and sorcery spells or full full on permanence, you know, then you're just it's just so useful in basically mm-hmm. every different scenario. I I couldn't help but uh couldn't help but highlight it. Uh, now, something was, to keep in mind that was uh, brought up, I believe, by a member of Wizards of the Coast staff, uh, but hopefully someone can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, when you copy a permanent spell, the token is not created. So things that care about creating tokens uh, don't trigger, like doubling season. You wouldn't get two copies of the token that you created by copying the spell. Okay. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. I guess that would be like yeah, just maybe yeah. a little bit much. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> do you get? Do you then get the ETB of the token? Uh, yeah. Or I guess you would always get the ETB of the token, right? Because it entered the battlefield. Question. Yeah. It's a bad question. Um. Anyway. Yeah. So I I don't know. Really cool card. If you guys want to say anything else, otherwise I just definitely thought it was. A- yeah. No, it's kind of like a Swiss Army knife at an affordable cost for anything that cares about. I mean. <laughs> there's been a lot of chatter of like oh commander auto include but there's always a card like that in every set um i'd be interested to see how often this is, i i'm not sure about standard play this to me clearly reaches like hey commander players this is for you um yeah. and so i am interested to see like how much this actually ends up being put into commander decks how much it's useful in those decks uh and how much of the effect is ended up feels forced versus like a useful ability because to me it feels like maybe maybe the doubling instants and sorceries or copying those spells is like a one synergistic thing. But unless you're playing uh, Riku, uh, then having like that and copying permanent spells on the same card feels a little like two different directions. Um, so I, I am interested to see which decks can capitalize on this the most. Yeah, I think it's just I purely he... a value thing. Just a value thing? Yeah. yeah. I think I would put this in like uh, the Kai card deck I have brewed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, because most of the time it's going to be copying instants and sorceries, but then sometimes if I'm about to play like a big mana rock, I might be like, okay, well I'd like a copy of that too. Yeah, yeah, okay. So it's it's basically you know just like value town whenever you want. Yeah, I mean, kind of how a lot of decks just play panharmonicon, you know, like it's mm-hmm. just similar idea. Yeah, it's good. I do think this might have a home in standard. I'm really hoping it does, and I I will be trying it. So uh, here's fingers crossed to that. Right. What's the idea that you think about it with uh, standard Julian? What what do you want to see it played with that would be interesting? Um, well, like I was saying, this with Omnath seems new. Omnath seems mm-hmm. really good if that's a thing. Um, I mean, Uro is the easy answer. Uh, I was just I wondering if you had a particular card Omnath. from the set or something that felt a little spicy to you that you wanted to try copying. I mean, anything you, with uh, Planeswalkers is good. Out. So, mm-hmm. like, I'm looking at if, you know, Nissa of the Shadowed Bows is her minus five, put a creature card with converted mana cost less than blah, blah, blah from your hand or graveyard onto the battlefield. You know, get getting to double that is pretty sick. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, you okay. could double up um, You could double up on the uh, Seagate Stormcaller, the, uh, the two-mana mythic that Eric was talking about earlier. You know, I mean, there's yeah, a whole. Yeah, that would actually be pretty, pretty spicy. There's a whole host of things that you could do with this. It's just finding the right shell, because um, mm-hmm. obviously you could throw four of this and just a bunch of things with sick ETBs into a deck, but it doesn't mean it's gonna 
pan out. Right. You know? Yeah. So I think I think it's going to be like it would be like a two of at best, really. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, I've been talking long enough. I just last card I have to shout out might be my favorite card in the set. It's a common. It's an artifact. It's called Spare Supplies. Uh, it's two mana. Enter, it enters the battlefield tapped, which is like, why? Why does it need to? Uh, when it enters, draw a card. Two mana, tap it, sack it, so you can't even, can't even do it in the same turn. Thanks a lot. Uh, draw another card. <laughs> I love this card. I think it's like so, like, just utilitarian. Just like, like it's literally just a picture of, like, a rucksack with some stuff in it and, like, a machete. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, you get to draw your cards when you need to. Um, you get to pay it in installments. I just, I love this card. So <laughs> the layaway plan, hey, exactly. it's colorless, you know, four mana draw two. a, a wonderful rate. Yeah. Traditionally draw two has been a blue and two recently that has been cut down somewhat to maybe a blue and one hmm. or a blue. If you're feeling really, really spicy, conditional, um, conditionally, conditional, so this is unconditional, four colorless, draw two o- over two turns. And I, I think that is exactly on rate, and that mm-hmm. the colors that don't get a lot of draw are going to love this. I think yeah. this would be fun to play in limited, I think, a lot of the time. I mean, if, you, sure. if you've got a spare slot, this might be something that you kind of just throw in there because it will prov- probably pay it for itself uh, in some particular way. But Definitely. Yeah, it's a, it's a cute little card there, Julian. It's a nice little thing you got going on. Uh. Speaking of another cute colorless card, Chev, you, you got some ones you wanted to talk about. Oh, boy. So, you know, I mean, this is, like, in a similar vein to um, the Rucksack, you know. Uh, if it, it it costs a little bit more up front. Um, it does set you back five mana. Uh, this one is Forsaken Monument. And we have a bit of a sad picture. Uh, one of the Eldrazi Titans, Ulamog, looking a little bit forlorn in the distance. I think it's probably his skeleton or something like that because he's supposed to be dead. Uh, so, you know, that, that hits me right in the feels there. Um, and you don't get much for the five man. I'm really just into it for the Eldrazi synergy. Uh, colorless creatures you control get plus two, plus two. Uh, whenever you tap a permanent for colorless, add an additional colorless. And whenever you cast a colorless spell, you gain two life. Like, really, there's there's just not a lot going on. And when I include it in my Kozilek deck, I feel like you guys just will be okay with it 100%. Um, I feel like, you know, it's one of those slide under the radar mythics, if you know what I mean. I think, I think you're underselling one of those abilities and I think it might (laughs) not be the first or third one. I think it's somewhere in between those. Chev, I think you're full of garbage. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's, there's one thing to be said that now Kozilek, um, would be a two turn clock, um, on anyone because he's a 10, 10 in commander. Uh, but there is the other thing about three turn clock, baby. You gotta do twenty-one. Yeah, but he would be twenty-two, twenty-four if he gets you twice. Sorry, I thought doubling that started as an eight-eight. That's my bad. That's my bad. (laughs) Uh, Because you said he would be a ten-ten, and I was like, isn't he already? Whatever. I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, Kozilek would just smack you faster. Uh, And then the secondary ability, which has been pointed out a couple times, and luckily the card was just reprinted in Double Masters, but uh, it does go infinite with Basalt Monolith. Um, For those of you who don't know. (laughs) Three mana, taps for three, pay three mana to untap it. So, of course, whenever you, whenever you tap a permanent for colorless, add an additional. Now you're gaining one mana each time you tap Basalt Monolith. Dude, um, everything and their mother goes infinite with Basalt Monolith and Grim Monolith. Yes, even, but not everything and hat. its mother is colorless uh, and can fit into my deck nicely. So that's why this one has a special place in my heart, and I will be picking up probably, you know, 
probably a full art copy if um if I'm being real. Chill. This this one, that face palm, that's for you, buddy. Oh, thanks. Well, luckily, of course, um, I will be able to probably purchase one of these soon, and then you'll be able to do it in real real life, Julian. I hope you're ready. Re. <laughs> Moving on from that uh, wonderful Eldrazi synergy that, if you recall on a previous podcast, I was hoping we'd see at least a tiny morsel of here on Zendikar to know that, you know, they're dead, but we haven't forgotten them. Um, We're going to move to the opposite end of the spectrum before leveling out at the the rare plane uh, for Feed the Swarm. Uh, One black and one generic, sorcery. Uh, Destroy target creature or enchantment an opponent controls. You lose life equal to that permanence converted mana cost. Which if you guys have been following Morrow's blog, is the piece of black um, targeted enchantment removal that was initially teased, and this is the first time black has ever gotten this ability. So I personally, as the proud player of a recent Toshiro deck, find this incredibly fun to now be able to deal with enchantments that, without using Farika's Libation or the one from the commander set that's another one and black and, what is it, target opponent chooses to sacrifice a creature or sacrifice an enchantment something Something like like that that. right uh but this is the first time black has been able to target and get rid of an enchantment um what are your guys thoughts on that i still sort of don't like to me i don't know how well it fits in black's like traditional color pie Mm -hmm. because again this is the first time this ability has been printed and like, Farika's libra- libation was, like, dipping its toes in the water and was like, oop, oop, am I over the line here? Am I good in this, like, zone? And everyone was like, oh, I, I guess you're fine there. That's sacrifice. That's what Black does. Mm-hmm. And now this is just, like, okay, this is enchantment removal, but you have to pay life. <clears throat> Which doesn't doesn't feel... It feels like they're they're almost using it as an excuse to give Black enchantment removal. And sometimes for balance reasons, you have to do things that like go outside the color pie. Like if you thought white or green were going to become too prominent because they're the only colors that can deal really well with, listen, yeah, yeah, yeah. blink at me all you want with green's too prominent, never prominent enough. Um, so if, if you thought that white or green were going to be a problem because they can deal with enchantments and you have a bunch of powerful enchantments coming up, so you wanted to extend that into other parts of the color pie, I think that makes perfect sense and is... Mm-hmm. honestly a good design decision even if it's not a good like theming decision and I, I think that this isn't bad enough theming that it's it deserves to be called out for it so i'm happy to see it i believe the uh, official sort of like reasoning or or some of the thought process behind it was black is supposed to generally be able to deal with anything but it comes at a severe cost um and in this case they're you know using that life loss as the cost now personally i i remember voicing to julian at one point i didn't think the life loss was enough for black to be able to do this uh the two other things that kind of go into it are this is only an a enchantment your opponent controls and that's specific because black is the color for enchantments like um demonic pact where one of the modes is once you've done everything else you lose the game and so it's it's Ways like you can't get out of the own your own agreements with demons, but you can stop other people from benefiting from theirs, I believe is some of it behind it. And uh, there was something about like Black being struggling to deal with both enchantments and artifacts and every other color being able to deal with at least one of them, um, if not both. Uh, so it was kind of like, 
okay, you know, even red has its thing with artifacts, and now we're giving black that ability to at least deal with one of the two types, because it didn't seem fair that it could deal with neither. Now, there's different opinions brought up about that, particularly blue's uh, lack of dealing with either one, um, but, you know, being blue, it has access to counter magic, and a few destroy target permanent spells that even black doesn't have uh, destroy target permanent outside of running colorless. I know, Julian Julian made a face of confusion, but I, I'm 90% sure uh, if I were to do a scryfall search right now for Commander Black and text for permanent. I was no, I was get a lot more than I'm looking for, but I don't I don't think <laughs> yeah, blue has you should has, type destroy target permanent. I don't think don't blue do has destroyed target permanent. I, the thing with blue is it can't like uh, properly deal with anything, it can just bounce everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then the deal with it when it a, comes back. The one in a blue instant uh, exile. Or is that only creatures? I think that's, that's creatures. creatures. Yeah. A lot of it is okay. destroyed creatures. But yeah, that's true. They, they have counter magic. They have bounce magic. Um, but right now, if you search for permanent and destroy on a mono black card, you are not left with much besides um, land destruction. Destroy target black creature, planeswalker, target non-black creature, uh that's basically it so so without the ability to do anything to a permanent they felt this was an okay reach for black to be able to deal with enchantments in this way but depending on feedback they might go back on that yeah this might be a one-time only deal i'm i'm medium on the whole thing because i i understand the whole thing that like oh black can pretty much do what it wants as long as it comes at a price i get that but also it hasn't been able to deal with artifacts and enchantments and that's i feel like that's just part every every color has its downsides right Mm-hmm. So I feel like the fact is, if you're running black, either you're going to run another color to supplement those downsides, or you just accept the fact that the things you're doing as a mono-black player are powerful enough, or you just don't care enough about other things like that, that mm-hmm. you just aren't going to deal with them. Um, I mean, I appreciate that they at least made it black, where you it, you lose that life. The thing is, right. some of the best enchantments are negligible, you know. Hitting a, mo- a smother mana. Hitting a smother tide right. smothering tide is huge, but like for life, especially in a format like Commander, is literally nothing. Um yeah. Ristic study. Yeah. And the other thing is, um, I don't like that it's creature or enchantment. I would prefer mm-hmm. that they just went all the way and they were like, Alright, Black, you get to destroy enchantments, but like this card will be dead in your hand. Like you don't get to just like, oh, like sideswipe a creature because there's no juicy enchantments out. You know, that feels like... Mm. Plus, the other thing is... It's too flexible. Yeah, plus the other thing is... um, At two mana, too. If it was, like, four mana, destroy target creature or whatever, then I'm fine. I think at four mana, that would not see play. Which I think is reasonable. I said that right, right? It's two mana? Yeah, it's two mana. It's two mana. Yeah, it certainly wouldn't see play in standard. I think anything that Black can do to get rid of enchantments would would still see play i i can think definitely running four mana for black enchantment removal in a mono black deck like any other color besides rakdos you'd have access to enchantment removal um but i think in mono black i'd probably still run it yeah you still run it especially because like four mana kill a creature is not not ever bad it's just not optimal yeah The, the the one other issue that i have not huge issue and then we can we can hop off this card um is just since this is like the one card every black deck is now going to play this card like without mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. and yeah. i and the way to alleviate that is to print more cards that destroy enchantments in black which i don't think is correct 
So yeah. we're in like a catch twenty two where now every black deck ever plays this card, but also you're probably not going to print that much variate. Like you might have like another card like this in another two years or whatever, you know. So right. I'm st- yeah, I, as as a sort of a color pie purist, I'm a l- it's uh, it's shaky ground for me, but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll let it slide for now because it's not like a widespread thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so now we get on to <laughs> the last couple cards, and since we have been here for quite some time um i'll breeze over a couple of them um and then we'll we'll talk about the one fun we'll we'll talk about the one that's more interesting so so uh for for the one that's not as interesting but i really enjoy the space would be shadows verdict it's two black and three generic exile all creatures and planeswalkers with converted mana cost three or less from the battlefield and all creatures and planeswalker cards with converted mana cost three or less from all graveyards and so you know we we've seen black dealing with um destruction not not on a damnation scale but on a like converted mana cost three or less or like uh i think generally three or less is is the the grouping um but also Mm -hmm. being able to get rid of them from graveyards is like you know we're wiping the slate clean of these and i think that's a pretty cool idea especially in more eternal formats where i generally find myself and it's like okay yeah we're wiping the board but we know the reanimator players have got some tricks up their sleeves so we're getting rid of them there as well carador is sad i'm happy carador is sad i'm happy because this hoses uros and standard Mm -hmm. gets completely gone um another spell that is uh, definitely a, a more generic ability, but I really appreciate where it was put, is Hagra Mauling. Um, it's two black and two, instant. This spell costs one generic less to cast if an opponent controls no basic lands, and it's destroy target creature. But wait, Julian, this is a DFC. Oh, and no. So if you flip it over, you have a mono black tap land. And so I think, you know, particularly when we have so many crazy lands in this environment um there is a chance you'll be destroying a target creature for three mana but also have the ability to just play it as a land when you need it is i i think absolutely fantastic and you know i mentioned Toshiro before as my new kind of like pet deck that i've been kind of grooming to uh meet the standards of all my other ones but easy include for me in that deck as you know an additional land also an additional destruction on an instant but what do you guys think for for other formats or what do you think of this um murder on a stick on a land. I, I like, I like that it's, like you said, I like that it, it is a, either a land or another, you know, a spell. I like that modality. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that one black black is not necessarily where you mm-hmm. want to be. Um, uh, speaking from a standard perspective. Um, right. I don't think that's where necessarily, and also, Probably from an EDH perspective, there's there's better options, there's cheaper options. Um, but like you said, you pay a little bit of that cost for the fact that this can help you hit your land drops. Um, I like that it costs one less if an opponent controls no basic lands. I don't know how often that's going to happen. Yeah, it's more of a fun thing than like an actual real I thing. Feel like, I feel like you'd see that in something like Legacy or Vintage or potentially Modern, but in those formats you're not paying three mana to destroy a creature mm-hmm. um i'm personally yeah. waiting to play this against eric's five color deck that i believe has one of each uh basic mana type in it if you're referencing joda yes it has one of everything and then a second forest 
because green is very important to me personally. Um, <laughs> I think that this is the safe version of this card, mm-hmm. and I think that at some point in R&D, there was probably the pushed version of this card, where this was one and two black, and this costs one less if your opponent controls no basic lands. And I think that the pushed version would have seen a lot of play, and I think that the safe version isn't going to see a lot of play. Hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see when, if this shows up in the design notes article that always comes out with a new set, where uh, Morrow talks with the design team and they they go over the steps on creating some of these cards. Because that that definitely sounds like a narrative that could have happened. I'd be interested to see if it did. Yeah. It does have phenomenal uh, art and flavor text. Mm -hmm. I mean, this, this core lady is just about to get worked. Like, she has no idea. Yeah, the flavor text is Din. Turn around now. <laughs> uh, and the art is a giant creature about to eat someone's head. Yeah, this this poor core, she's she's in for a bad time. And rounding out my my count of five, we have uh, what some see as the first um, piece of tech against ramp, uh, confounding conundrum, a blue and one enchantment. When enters the battlefield, draw a card because why not? We're in blue. Uh, and then whenever a land enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, if that player had another land enter the battlefield under their control this turn, they return a land they control to its owner's hand. I I like it. I like it a lot. I think I think the ability to kind of deal with people who are trying to play multiple lands a turn, like those uh, nefarious green players, uh, is certainly a powerful ability to have. And I would very I would very much enjoy watching someone play ramp spell with this out and seeing all the kind of steps they have to do to deal with it. Um, what do you guys think? Uh, I just want to offer a plug for my recent Chulane deck. Please play this against Chulane. Do it. I won't love it. It won't let me win the game. I promise you're going to really enjoy that you played this card against Chulane. But actually, I think this is a really strong card, and I think that uh, a lot of what Chev said is very true in that it's it's good tech against like aggressive ramp. It's good tech against fetch lands. Even like evolving wilds is just just terrible Ooh, against this. That's like dirty against like fetches. I didn't even yeah. recognize that. Oof. And so I think that this card has a lot I think this card is gonna find a home somewhere. Someone will play Many this places, card yeah. in a in high level play, in regular level play, in kitchen table play. I think this card is always going to be good. Um, I think this card is going to get people mad at you, though. If you were playing this in a multiplayer format where there is a table worth of people who are all trying to pull their fetch lands or are all trying to ramp, you will be a target. (laughs) I'm definitely okay with that, I think. Because I I still see, you know, playing multiple lands a turn is kind of like, okay, the rule is one, but we're going to do some sneaky stuff and we're going to play two lands this turn. So the ability to just be like, nah, play by the rules doesn't exactly make me feel bad and i will feel very happy playing this against tat and Only two Omnath. lands a turn chev yeah you're tat, not really shooting for Omnath, the stars there joda uh Ur dragon pretty as much someone, every one of my decks <laughs> as someone who only has, has green one green deck in hepatra that is not known for its getting a bunch of lands out all at once this sounds fantastic and in the i think one deck i have that plays blue this will probably be finding a home what is that deck? Oakown and Cinder Split. <laughs> don't you 
don't you speak their name? But in this, this one podcast. doesn't. This doesn't. This doesn't flip a coin, though, Jeff. I know. This Sadly, no Oakhound and Zindersplit have seen some changes recently, um, from being every coin flip card ever printed to more of a okay, we're gonna get Oakhound out, flip him a ton of times, and then play Chandra's Ignition, which I believe is how they won their last game um, against. I think everyone. I think everyone was there when we were at Eric's uh, over yeah. the summer. Yeah. Mm. Chandra's Ignition is a banger of a card. I like that card. Anyway, now we've fully drifted away from what this podcast was about. Completely. Wait, we're not flipping coins? That's, we're not the, the flipping coins podcast? There's no coin flips in this set? Don't even care anymore. We hey, should rate sets time. on how many cards flip coins. This one well, got a zero. It would just be like zero out of ten for most of them, and then some would be like a two out of ten, you know? That's true. What if we rated sets based on how many dice they rolled? And Ooh, that would just be un unsanctioned, uh, right? Well, no, I would just preemptively rate the uh, D&D set with a 20. Ah, I, oh, see. I see. That would be interesting <laughs> if they bring um, dice rolling into Black Border for that set. I feel like they had to have to do some amount of it. They might. Um, I don't think it'll have to deal with like D20s or anything. Because I think they're going to want to keep it like in-universe. Yeah. And more manageable dice that people will actually have on them. Because... A lot uh, of people have spin downs, like spin downs, aren't though. weighted, but spin, spin downs, downs aren't yeah. weighted properly. Mm-hmm. Like they don't roll. Yeah, whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever. Um. Anyway, does anyone have anything else they specifically want to call out or talk about? Uh, I just realized personally that Lotus Cobra is in this set. Totally mm. missed it. Oh until yeah, just buddy. Now. So Eric, th- Eric, that that says something particular to uh, Julian and I, and you know, that really hurts. Because I believe in our first podcast, talking about um, this set, we mentioned Lotus Cobra because it was one of the few spoilers out. Very specifically. Well, so um, you know, as maybe as I a, had just forgotten after listening to ah, our beautiful, yes, that's it. beautiful voices. We did cover um, it at the beginning. You know, you hear us drone on for an hour, you forget. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes you talk for something like I don't know, like an hour and seventeen minutes and forty nine seconds. Sometimes it's really long. <laughs> Is that how well, long we this better, has been going um, on? That is exactly how long this has been going on. Yikes. Hey, we had, you we know had a lot of hey, We talked we about a lot, lot of, of good cards. stuff. Cowards can't block warriors, that's all I have to say. <laughs> that is Dude, such a ridiculous I, I, card design. I love it so much, I almost included it. Three I different missed. modes. Each one costs one generic mana. One is cowards can't block warriors this turn. One is warriors get something. Julian, are you uh, looking no, no, no. at I'm it? Chub, 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 chub. Cowards always can't block warriors, but if you pay one, uh, you can make something become a coward until an end of turn. So, you know. And then you can also pump and, like, give trample and stuff, so. Mm-hmm. But the, o- the only thing that matters is that cowards can't block warriors. I want a shirt that says that. Can we get custom shirts? Yeah, we that could. can be our first Brew Crew shirt, is cowards can't <laughs> block warriors. I'm so hype. And then the next one's going to be Kill Tat. Kill Tat. <laughs> <laughs> I am very hyped for that one as well. I th- I, don't know. I, I, don't I would. That one. Uh, well, it sounds like sure that's that's, that's basically time. all the time we have for <laughs> this week. Um, rounding out this Brew Crew production, we have Eric, Julian, and Chev again, and hopefully we'll get uh, Oakley next week when the full set releases. And uh, this is us signing out. Yeet. <laughs>